0: Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. The Word of the Lord. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you had a lot of time on your hands, if you had time to sit, extended period, to sit, to stand, to walk, and to think about what your life is, who you are, and what your life is about. What would you write? You had time to think, who am I? What is my life about? What would you write? A second question is that for many of you as a young adult with most of your life probably ahead of you, what would you choose to give yourself to? What would you make a priority regardless of your circumstances? Now, I want you to do something here. I want you to, while you're thinking about right now, also project 10, 25, 50 years. Because unless the Lord comes again soon, you will one day be there. And so if you could look at yourself from several years down the road and look back, what would you like to see in your life through that whole period of time? What would you make a priority so that one day you can look and say no matter what my life was like, married or not, children or not, much money, little money, good health, bad health, what I was happy about, what I was not happy about, what would be that one thing, are those one or two or three things That you could say, this has been growing in my life. This is what my life has been about. Now, that's a big question, a couple of big questions. Do you mind if we just take a moment? If you're the kind that writes things down, that takes notes, underlines a passage in your Bible, writes in the margin, this might be a good place. This is a passage that might warrant writing in the Bible, taking some notes. Now, I'll give you that that's the sort of question an older person asks, and if if it can be of any value to you today, because I think that's what we're watching Paul do in this passage. Paul is in prison, and I don't know what people do in prison. Um, Surely it's not just what I see on TV or in a movie. But Paul has chosen to write, and he's written several letters, we think, we understand, to people, to Christians. And this is one of those letters. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is Paul's feeling good. <laughs> um, I don't know if Paul would appreciate me calling him giddy, but Paul is giddy about God. He uses over-the-top type language about how good God is to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. He mentions God the Father to the praise of His glory, God the Son to the praise of His glory, God the Spirit to the praise of His glory in chapter 1 only, just by itself. So Paul is high on God when he's writing this letter. And this section that we're reading today in Ephesians 3, the end of this chapter, is something of a bringing it all together for these first three chapters and it's also something of a here's what we're going to we're not going there today but for us to just think what is my life about because i think that's what paul is doing and that's what paul might be inviting us to do now more than anything what paul is inviting is the spirit of god to come and do a work in the lives of god's people his church that we cannot do on our own so i want you to hear that Paul is inviting God, is asking God, please come and do this in us. We need this. And so that's where the question of, over the length of your life, what will there be? What will stand out for you? I think Paul is both happy and eager. I get this from reading the first three chapters. He's happy that God is so good and he's eager that we all will experience it. Not just know it, but I'm talking about experience the goodness of God. Now, I experience some of that when, when we sing, and we sing a really great song. Will, by the way, that second song I won't sing at my funeral when you do it. So, really love that song. But we're talking about something deeper, more. And I'm not sure that I can explain it. I'm not sure that Paul even knows how to describe exactly what he's asking here. But Paul has this sense, I get the sense from reading this, the idea that the love of God is so strong, it is so good, it is so important, that more than anything else, I want this to be in you. So let's just hear that from that perspective today. In college, I had a history professor who taught classes about Europe's Middle Ages. Yes, it was dry. (laughs) It was boring. The Hundred Years' War, the War of Roses, the Thirty Years' War. One day I asked the professor, I said, Have you been to Europe? Because he talked about it so much and this and that. And I had no perspective. I could look at a map, but these, the Prussians and the Habsburgs and on and on. I mean, it's just names. It's just numbers. On and on. And so I think out of my boredom one day, I said, Have you been to Europe? No he answered, I hope to. I had the opportunity several years, I think a couple of decades later to ask that professor, saw him, did you ever get to go to Europe? He said, I love Europe. Evidently, he had been to Europe. After college, Ann and I um, did go to Kenya, East Africa, with several other young couples, about four couples together. Um, Our work there gave us the opportunity to travel on some really bad roads to some quite remote places. And I mention that because I was not mechanically inclined or trained. And so you get out on a very bad road in a remote place and something goes wrong with the vehicle, who are you going to call? there's there's nobody (laughs) there's nobody to call it's up to me to get home and I can walk or I can try and repair that vehicle if I don't know how to repair that vehicle so we four men on the team found a young fellow from Denmark who was a master mechanic and we begged Torben to teach us and he took we took a week out and went to his garage and he showed us all sorts of things um survival mechanics, (laughs) maybe is what you can say, how to do things when you're out there by yourself and the best you can do is just get home. Well, I mention these things because in this prayer, Paul is asking God, our Father, to help us know Him up close and personal, to know Him in a way that can't be known just by some good Bible study. Good Bible study is important. But Paul is asking the Father to do something extraordinary here. You see, you can't really know Europe unless you go to Europe. You really can't learn um, how to repair a car unless you learn from a master and how to become a capable mechanic. I mentioned earlier that Paul is pretty excited, it seems, when he writes this and he uses some over-the-top language. I want to do something for you that's I'm a little hesitant to do because I don't want to keep you from reading the Scriptures, but I want to highlight the highlights. I'd like for you to hear in my words what I got from reading Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And again, these are highlights. I've got five of them, and you can check them with the passage. But if this would be helpful to you, you may have other highlights, um, but these are mine. And the first four are put in the form of a prayer. May the Spirit make us strong in our innermost being. May the Spirit make us strong in our innermost being. What's your innermost being? Where is that? What is that? What's that look like? What gets down to the core of who you are? May the Spirit make you strong there. Number two, may Christ... May Christ Jesus set up house in your bones, in your subconscious mind, in your basic emotions. Now, I don't know if the love of God can live in my arteries and my ligaments and such, but I think that's what Paul is trying to get us there. Go there. This is how, how wonderful and how invasive God wants his love to be, that you feel it. Throughout all of your being. So may Christ set up house in you. Number three, may the love of Christ be your root system and your foundation. Any of you grow plants or garden, or you understand the value of a root system. May Christ, may the love of Christ be your root system, Paul writes. And may it be your foundation. May it be what everything else is built on. I'm really hoping, I've been praying that this isn't just, okay, yeah, okay, that's good theological knowledge maybe. How do we get this to go in? How do we get this, well, we don't. (laughs) We don't seem to have that power. And that's what I'd love for us to really hear. God wants this in you. And he will do it, and so Paul prays this for these people to whom he was writing. And if we could be a part of that church today that hears this and accepts this prayer, and that's where we will do this for each other later. Number four, may God's love open you up to a knowledge that is unknowable, a, an understanding that is beyond comprehension. I know doesn't make sense. But that's where I think Paul is trying to say, this doesn't ha- we don't have the words to explain how great God's love is for us. So I'm just praying it'll happen, that you'll know what you can't know, that you'll comprehend what you can't understand, that you'll get what you can't reach out for and take in, that it will just be done by the Spirit of God in your life. And then the last one comes, number five, from verses 20 and 21. That many of us, me especially, would not even know to ask for these things. We don't imagine how good God is or how different he can be, how different life can be when he is within us. I was talking earlier this year, I don't remember where it could be, you or one of those, you or that person. I met a person who works at a, a bedding store, bed, bed frames, mattresses, all that. And so I asked him, I was being funny. I said, why in the world would I buy one of those mattresses that cost three, $4,000 when I can buy one that costs $150? Y'all, are you with me? 3000 versus okay. Um, he said, well, you've never experienced sleep like you can until you've slept on one of my high-end mattresses. You, you know, you can sleep, and that's all right, you can go to bed every night, but you've never had a night's sleep like you can on one of these type mattresses. And I thought, I never will either. <laughs> but I think it points out here, we do not know often how good God is unless we become the sort of people who say, this is what I want again I don't want to make it up to us but we do have a part to play will we open ourselves will I develop spiritual disciplines that allows God to speak in language that I can't really discern will I allow the Spirit of God access to the very core innermost parts of my being because God wants to say something God wants to do something. God wants to be something in us. And that, in a word, in this passage, is love. God wants you to know that He loves you. Now, whether you want to experience God's love deep within or not, whether you want to or not, that's what the Spirit wants. And only He can do this work in you. You cannot make it happen, like I said earlier, with study you can't just do it with being good or doing good those things are important and they play a part but this is something we're asking the spirit to do thats above and beyond we're asking for well I don't know if you want to call it a miracle or supernatural work or out of the ordinary I'm not worried about a label that we put on it but we're asking God to do something more than we can do ourselves from my place in life I think this is probably a long-term project I see as I look back that God has been doing this, but I realize also that I'm not there. There are those, those thoughts, those feelings I have when I sin, when I think something, say something, do something that I know is not of God, and my default mode sometimes is guilt, shame. Am I ever going to get this right? Will I ever be good enough? Those type, am I the only one? Okay. I don't know if God will will or can totally supplant those. I'm guessing from this passage that He can. And I know that I'm not there, but that this passage it becomes one of those things. I say, "Why have I not been praying this for 20, 30, 40, 5,7 years? Um, could God become that strong, that good, that personal? That's overwhelming in my life not that I make sin an excuse not that I make doing bad something oh that's okay God's got me covered that's not it and that's a whole other passage in the scriptures but could I become a person who says I know that I am loved I'll tell you why I think that's important Do you know what the mission statement of ethos is everybody should be not <laughs> unless this is your first time love God, love people, and awaken a movement. How are we gonna do that? Many Sundays Andrew will stand up and say that and then what does Andrew say? That's kinda hard to do. You ever heard Andrew say that? It is hard to do. How are we gonna do it? By grit? By pure determination? I think Paul is talking to us here. If you become people who know that I love you, who experience my love, and I won't continue that thought I'll let you stay there the way this will happen is by us knowing Jesus Christ who loves us and I'm gonna say something that I still find hard to believe but this is the Jesus who loves us even as he watches us lie cheat lust covet hate backbite do other wrong things, say wrong things, get drunk. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you, this you know, for the Spirit tells you so. We are weak but He is strong. I'm not going to lead us in that song. But Paul thinks we ought to know it and experience it at a level that is beyond human reach. Only the Spirit of God can go to the core depths of your heart, your spirit, your mind, and your body. And make you a new person. We're going to try something. It's not too new to you who are normal. Normal. <laughs> who are regulars here. We're going to break up into groups in just a moment. And the size of the group is not important. The Ten people, let's say. you can be smaller. But groups of people. And choose one person. One person. Read this prayer over the group. Let yourselves get settled. Let yourselves kind of look at each other. And one person pray this prayer, Ephesians three fourteen to 21, over the group. It could be, it sometimes happens that some of you will be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God right then. And He will do this work in you right then and there. I think the majority of us find that God works more slowly. And this will be a lifetime pursuit of opening ourselves up to the love of God. But I invite you in a moment to stand up, get together in a group, and do this. If you don't want to be in a group, that's great. Sit or stand by yourself. And I invite you to let Paul pray this over you. Just read this passage, these verses. If you are not a follower of Christ, and this all seems very uncomfortable, strange, I'm going to ask you to risk something. Now, you've already risked coming here today, and thank you for that. That's, it can be strange to be in a setting like this. But if you're not a follower of Christ, I'm going to ask you to risk one thing, that you would read this and just see what happens. Okay? Just see if God would do anything. And again, it might be... Immediate, and it might be a long-term process. But if you're willing to risk that, we would invite you to do that with us. Then when you are through, your group is through, or you by yourself, invite you to go to the communion tables to eat the bread and drink the juice that represents the body and the blood. And let that be a physical representation of how much God loves you, that He wants to take care of you. He wants to nourish and feed you down to the very depths of your, your personhood.